chapter 1. We will be in uh, this evening, continuing in. Uh, we've embarked on a new series. I think this is the third week now. Um, and um, the series is all really looking at Jesus. Um, and who do we say he is? And not only who do we say he is, but who do we believe he is? Believing in Jesus, the Son of God. John the Baptist will make that very same testimony today as we read verses 19 through 34, that Jesus is the Son of God. That is the testimony of the evangelists. That is the testimony of Scripture. That is the Holy Spirit's own witness to us by grace. The uh, message this evening is entitled, Not Me, But Him. Not Me, But Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we continued, didn't we, our journey through the book of Isaiah, concluding chapters 3 and 4. And uh, in that series we're asking, who or what do we trust? Who or what do we trust? And this is a vital question. I hope you've understood that by now. Because whether, uh, because who we are and whether or not God has granted us new life is indicated by our answer. Who do we trust? To that question. John's gospel is similarly concerned with introducing Jesus, God in human flesh, to as many possible people as possible. Last week we saw that it's a book of signs. The first 12 chapters or so are signs done by Jesus through his earthly ministry, the healings, the nature miracles, feeding people, uh, teaching with unique authority, and raising the dead. And then the final seven chapters of John's Gospel are concerned with the great sign, as Jesus is lifted up and shown to be the Lamb of God who gives his life. For the sins of his people and then is raised in glorious resurrection power these are all signs pointing to who jesus is his undeniable identity yet incredibly despite all these wonders even before the cross and the resurrection uh, wonders which tie in with centuries of promises and prophecy that jesus is still rejected by the majority of people and even those closest to him deny and abandon him to his enemies and then his fate before the brutal roman justice system it seems that something about the claims of jesus and those who bear faithful testimony about him something about those things uh, those claims about jesus clashes with our agenda for self-preservation the problem in our desire for self-preservation is that we're not simply seeking to stay alive but we are seeking to rule our own kingdom and our own destiny to control it to supervise it these are things that we're never made to do we are poor rulers of our lives Friends, the whole purpose for which Jesus came was as a rescuer 
to save us from the inevitable catastrophe as we hurtle through life towards final judgment. So understanding what we say about ourselves, and more importantly, what Jesus, what we say about Jesus and what Jesus says about us, is vitally important. Let's read from John's Gospel, chapter 19. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Christ. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptise if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptise with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptising. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptising with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him, except that the one who sent me to baptise with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. May God be pleased to bless this testimony to us this evening. If you're taking notes, we're going to work our way through a series of questions. Firstly, who are you? Who are you? Who are we? Secondly, who is Jesus? And finally, what does Jesus do? Who are you? Who is Jesus? And what does Jesus do? Firstly then, who are you? Well, what do you say for yourself? What do you say about yourself? What do you tell others? Until we encounter Jesus, we trundle through life, believing ourselves to be and seeking to be good people. Good enough for God, if there is one, to reward us with a cloud and a harp of our own one day to pat us on the back and say, well done for being a law-abiding citizen. But which law are we keeping and where is our citizenship truly found? 
Are we truly worshippers of God? Well, the Jewish authorities who approached John the Baptist in the text uh, that we've just read, they thought that they were worshippers of God. Theirs was the religion set out by God through Moses and the prophets in the books of the law, the writings and the wisdom. They were the learned teachers of Israel and they had to watch out for anyone threatening their grip on Jerusalem's sacred temple cult. So who was this strange desert hermit who ate locusts and wild honey? whose hair grew long and who wore camel hair garments. A mysterious man to whom thousands were flocking, who was issuing an urgent call to repentance in their day, for the kingdom of Messiah was at hand. Well, John knew that he was not the Messiah, but he was the one who would make straight the way of the Lord. Just as the angels had heralded Messiah's birth, so John's coming and his call to repentance was the essential warm-up act to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Notice, John is completely selfless. The priests and the Levites who came to him and and the Pharisees asked whether he was the Messiah, the Christ, and John denies it. Again, they ask, if he is Elijah returned? Again, no. Are you then the prophet? They ask, guessing that he was the prophet like Moses, who Moses himself had prophesied would come. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15. Is that who you are, John? What shall we tell our masters? In all this heavy questioning, like a media scrummage at a press conference with big headline news. John is not phased. He keeps his cool. He tells no lies. He knows that the mission he's been tasked with, and he actually minimises, he belittles himself. Not in a false, self-deprecating kind of way. You know how we Brits love to do. But John earnestly and intentionally shifts attention away from himself and on to who is soon to follow. How about us then, when we're given the chance to speak? What do we say about ourselves? Are we our own best spokespeople? Do we have a lot to say? Are we keen to paint ourselves in a good light? If so, why? Why are we so sensitive? Or do we already know the truth? And has the truth set us free to speak freely of him in every context? That's a challenge for us. Who are we and what do we say about ourselves? What we say about ourselves really depends on what Jesus says about us. You see, the problem is that we do not know the truth on our own. We cannot see by our own light, because like the headlights on my car, they have misted over, dimming and obscuring the light. What we need is 
spiritual tea cut to cut through the grime and the misted glass to allow the light of Christ to shine through. Then and only then will we be able to see where we're going. So we need to listen to what Jesus has to say. We need his light. We need to accept what he says and be honest about who we are. We need the light of Christ, which both John the Evangelist, the writer of the Gospel, and John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, testifies to. Now notice, the Baptist did not know the true identity of Jesus, his own cousin, until it was supernaturally revealed to him on the day of Jesus' baptism. The truth is that Jesus' identity, as we will see shortly, is something that must be revealed to us by God. Only then will what Jesus has to say really mean something to us. Only then will Jesus' diagnosis about what ails us make sense. The truth that we are lost and that our greatest need is for him to be our, our saviour and our shepherd, to cleanse us completely of our sin. So what do we uh, know about ourselves? Have we come to that realisation? Well, as I've just said, it all depends on who Jesus is. So what does John say about Jesus? Friends, every sentence in Scripture deserves our attention. Every sentence has something to say about God and about us. These verses in John's Gospel are some of the most theologically significant verses in Scripture. So we do well to listen carefully. John has already told us he is not the Messiah. Neither is he Elijah. And he's not the prophet. At the time, they didn't realize that this mysterious prophet would actually also be the Messiah. But John says, no, it's not me. First of all, before John's eyes are open to the identity of Jesus, John already knows that this coming Messiah will be God himself. In verse 23... John quotes the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verse 3, and says that his purpose that has been disclosed to him by God is to make straight the way of the Lord. That's John the Baptist's purpose. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now this Lord refers to Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. When he comes, when Messiah comes, John is saying, this person, this Messiah, will be God himself. It's apparent that John knew God and something of God's plan. And John is fearless in sharing this truth with spiritual opponents, who, according to verse 26, themselves do not know. Though religious, their questioning of John reveals that they are not aware of what God is doing in their midst. But by grace, in due time, some of them will come to know. Praise God. 
Of course, on the day of Jesus' baptism, John, who is himself filled uh, with the Holy Spirit of God from birth, we're told, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 15, has his eyes opened to Jesus' identity at precisely the moment God intends on that day itself. Praise God. We've heard what John has said about Jesus. What do we say about Jesus? Well, John, of course, was Jesus' cousin. And uh, what he said about the Messiah, uh, who he then identified as Jesus, that he was divine and preeminent, that Jesus was the key to God's plan of salvation, that Jesus alone had the power to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's John's testimony. But what is our testimony? Are we convinced that Jesus is God in the flesh? Perhaps we know what we're supposed to believe. This is what we've been taught from childhood. But do we truly believe enough to let it percolate through every atom of our being in order to come out in every God-given opportunity to witness to the identity of Christ is our testimony as robust and unquestioning as John's after all many people say things about Jesus the Jews say that he was a deluded wannabe rabbi the Muslims say that Jesus was a sinless prophet but that he only appeared to die Muslims believe Jesus was taken up into heaven before death and one day will return and be killed in the future. Of course, in the Bible, the figure who's thrown into the lake of burning sulfur is the false prophet of Revelation chapter 19. Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus is the archangel Michael. Spiritualists and New Agers and others say Jesus was just a good teacher, blessed with the Christ consciousness. And that you can too, just like him. Atheists say Jesus was simply a good man who was religiously deluded. Lots of things are said about Jesus. But what do we say, given the opportunity? Do you stand with the testimony of John the Evangelist and John, Jesus' own cousin? Have your eyes been opened to accept and recognise, not only in your head, but also in your heart, that Jesus is God himself, your creator, who made you and loves you like no other, even despite your prior rejection of and rebellion against him? Do you, like John, acknowledge that though you are unworthy to untie the laces of his sandals, he still came to save you. I hope that's your testimony. I hope that's your conviction. Because then we have work to do. We have to take the testimony of Jesus out and about. This next lot and final point is all about what we should tell. Because Jesus came to complete a task. What will Jesus do and why? Lastly, uh, what John tells us in these verses makes clear the purpose for Jesus' coming. We know 
that God was revealing details of his purpose and plan to John the Baptist. He makes this clear in verse 33. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, John knew his cousin. He would have grown up with him. He would have visited and played with him. But all of his life, up until this day of Jesus' baptism, John never knew for certain that his cousin was divine. Though whispers of this truth may have passed around the family, between Mary and Elizabeth, perhaps, since they too had heard from God and knew that God was at work doing something. John only knew for sure once he had heard from God personally. The Holy Spirit, who himself was with John from birth, guiding and leading him especially to fulfil his role in God's purposes. The Holy Spirit would, at the right time, reveal the truth about Jesus. And if you think about that, it's something really valid for us as well. Throughout John's life, Jesus had been there, right? Since he was a babe himself. And the same is true for us. Throughout our lives, Jesus has been there. But we've not known, until the point of God's own choosing, Jesus' true identity. It hasn't meant much to us. It hasn't transformed our lives. But the day that God speaks to us, the day that he opens our eyes and opens our ears, and allows us to receive Jesus into our hearts is glorious indeed. Now we know that John knew God's word. He's already quoted the prophet Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 in describing what his own purpose was to make straight the way of the Lord. Now we know John knows who Jesus is. We see John describing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, verse 29. In the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53 and verse 7 that we read earlier, that tells us about the suffering servant of God, we know the Messiah would be the divine Messiah. He would be this oppressed and afflicted one, one like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. No doubt John has parts of the puzzle God the Holy Spirit has revealed Jesus' identity. But unlike us who look back on the whole story, John, Jesus and all those involved are acting out the events in real time. This divine Son of God has now appeared, says John the Baptist. It is Jesus who is preeminent, not me. And like him, we too must minimise ourselves and make much of Jesus. That is what all true followers do. We make much of Jesus. Even before those who had power to curtail John's ministry and to arrest him as a troublemaker, John speaks the truth disclosed to him by the Holy Spirit boldly and fearlessly. This Jesus will take away the sins of the world, he says. 
How? By becoming that sacrificial lamb. And upon whom all the sins and transgressions of who are born? The literal whole world? Well, no. According to Isaiah 53, this lamb would be stricken for the transgressions of my people. Verse 8. Those whom God preserves and saves for his glorious purposes. Those who prove their salvation by the works that they selflessly do for God. Works that Paul later clarifies that the Lord himself is doing through us. So that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8-10. to Now this Lamb of God, Jesus, is coming to make many righteous Isaiah 53 verse 11, not all. He bears the sins of many and makes intercession for them. Isaiah 53 verse 12. Jesus himself will later declare in John's gospel that only those given to him by the Father will come to him. John 6 verse 44. It is they whom Jesus raises up on the last day. The religious leaders the Sadducees and the Pharisees, most of them hardened themselves against Jesus and sought to kill him and eventually Jesus' followers, proving that they were not the true people of God. They were not of his chosen remnant. Isaiah also tells us this Lamb of God will remain silent at the appointed time, not because he had nothing to say, but because he had already said it. It would be time then to fulfill all righteousness by making atonement for the children of God, Christ's true brothers and sisters who would enter into his Father's joy by grace alone. So having previously not known, has Jesus shown you who you are? Do you now know that you belong to him and that he is God? Is he now in charge of your life, directing and guiding you purposefully as the years pass, just like John the Baptist? Do you hear his still small voice as you read his word and seek out his will? Do you desire what pleases God? So then, having heard from him, do you now speak truthfully of who Jesus is, with conviction? that he has saved you from your sin and baptised you with his Holy Spirit. May our most gracious Lord cause our every action, every day, to bring him praise. May he help us to come in worship before him every hour because we now know his Spirit has revealed to us that we are completely dependent on him for every breath that we take. Every one of his true children know this, as we saw earlier in chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, because they, like John the Baptist, have been born of God. Let's bow our heads in.